The Standing Orders Podcast. Welcome to this latest edition of the Standing Orders Podcast with me, Dr. Thomas Foreman, and my co-host, the Emeritus Mayor, Sue Lorne. Good morning, Thomas. And how are you this morning? Let me begin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely fine. Thank you very much. It's good to see the sunshine again. So uh, we've had a couple of days of nearly summertime. How warm is it in beautiful Norfolk? Probably about 10 degrees. Oh, so just so lovely. It's, it's positively a heat wave, but uh, no, it's it's not so bad. We should get ourselves up to 25 today. Wonderful. But, um, yeah, you don't know how lucky you are. Now, how's your week been? My week, my weeks are just so busy and I just don't get where the time goes to. There's nothing to report for what I've done in the week. No. Um, but it is... Um, Something's the- never change. <laughs> <laughs> I just go from one pillar to post <laughs> and then back again and nothing really happens in the middle. But since my days of uh, no longer being on the town council, I just don't understand where the hours go to and I don't understand how I ever had the time to be a councillor. Do, do you think that you were more organised when you were a councillor? Oh, that's exactly it, Thomas. I'm just not organised anymore. You, you know why, don't you? When you were mayor, you had four people managing you. <laughs> <and> <laughs> oh, God, that's what I need to do. I need to get a PA for doing nothing. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I need to... What are you doing? Are you free? <laughs> yeah, I'm... I, <laughs> I thought you meant right right now. I was like, oh, I'm just having a sip of drink. <laughs> what, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. That's what I need. I need a PA. I've I've had 16 years of somebody saying, this is where you need to be. This is what you need to do. And this is the time to do it in. Now I've got to think for myself. That's not well, good. So um, now is literally the perfect time for us to uh, to have done this podcast. Um, and so I'm Excellent. so glad that we make it. We've got something a, right. <laughs> a weekly slot. <laughs> this is it. Now that I've got so much more time on my hands and you're so much more busier, then it's um, it's good. It's good to be organised. So, so what are we going to talk about today then? Well, I want to ask your opinion. Um, oh. So I know, I know. And everyone else is sighing as well as they hear this. Oh, God, not again. So, as you know, Nadine Doris uh, resigned with immediate effect, but actually didn't resign resign. with immediate effect. And a town council in her constituency of Mid-Bedfordshire has written to her. And Flitwick Town Council has said that concerns and frustrations about the situation. It is a nice name, isn't it? I want to move there. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, I I, I think they're quite fussy about who they allow in. Um, Obviously, maybe I'll take her place. And they basically said they want her to immediately vacate the seat because this has been going on for so long, where she said she would Mm -hmm. resign and then hasn't. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the clerk in this letter, as reported by The Guardian, has said, uh, rather than representing constituents, the council is concerned that your focus appears to have been firmly on your television show, upcoming book, and political manoeuvres to embarrass the government for not appointing you to the House of Lords. Mm-hmm. And even the Prime Minister said that it was unacceptable. 
Yeah, I th- well, I think it is, well, it is unacceptable um, by any stretch of the imagination. But I guess what I want to talk about is to what extent do you think that actually members of parliament are an important feature of kind of civic life in towns and parishes? Do you feel that members of parliament are actually a big asset to community organisations? Or do you actually think that they are so far removed now um, that actually it really doesn't matter whether she is, as they say, living in the Cotswolds and spends very little of her time in the constituency? Do you think MPs should live in the constituency? And do you think actually an ineffectual MP makes a big difference to a town or parish council? Gosh, that's a lot of questions. So I think that um, the most important well, thing... that's all we have time for this week. <laughs> um... No, I've started so well, Finnish. <laughs> no, I think the most important thing, and I didn't realise this until I was very naive until about six or seven years ago, that um, because in... Uh, in the area that we're in, I mean, it's um, the, the MP is is local, fairly local to the area. And I honestly didn't realise that you can put yourself forward to be an MP in any constituency in the country. And uh, we had somebody who lived in a little village in uh, just up the road from here who put herself forward for Manchester, for an area in Manchester. And you just think, Seriously, that is just so unacceptable. She couldn't possibly know what's going on in that area other than what she's hearing through the media or, you know, or going online. She didn't know what the local people were doing and the issues that they had. So the answer is important. Yes, it's very important that they live in the area. So, when no, I don't. I don't think that it's okay for them to move into it once they've been elected. I don't think that's right either. I think it should be homegrown people who know the area, know the people, and know the issues that's in there. I don't think it should be somebody coming up from Cornwall. And I think at one time that was considered that somebody should come from uh, Exeter, Cornwall, up uh, to Norfolk to to uh, represent Norwich North. That's just crazy. That but to me, why? You, you can't do that. Why? Because it should be. It, it's got to be a pretty sad situation that we can't find somebody in this area who would be happy to stand up and be the MP for the area. Again, it's not necessarily the party that is the person that is prepared to work and, and dedicate themselves to the community that they get elected to. The reason she resigned on principle that she didn't get, um, I assume that she was back in Boris, but she was back in herself. And, um, and then she then obviously did that being a bit of a drama person and, um, and then realized, Oh, hang on a minute. Maybe I was a bit too quick. And, and again, you know, that would be understandable if she'd even come out a few days later, a few weeks later and said, uh, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I, I made a mistake. I owe it to my constituency to stay in place. I owe, you know, the time and the commitment that they've given to me. I need to return that. So I made, um, um, you know, um, an impulse decision and, um, and I know I'm going to stay in my seat and then left it up to the, uh, the, the branches of the party or whoever to decide whether they thought that she was, you know, she was committed to it and, and should still be there. But, I mean, um, 
Do no, you, it is I mean, not acceptable to just turn around and say, oh, I'm resigning. And then what is it now? Four months down the line? Yeah. Still be there. Still taking the wage, but not doing the job. Well, I don't, I don't know. Um, mm. it, it's a bit of a mixed bag, really, because I genuinely think that, you know, we, we're talking about things like virtual meetings, exception, saying that councillors mm-hmm. should be able to join from anywhere in the country and anywhere in the world. And obviously, they are required as a councillor to have a tie to the area. You have to live within so far or work within um, so far of, of the like of the town or the parish in which you're you're, you're standing. So you, you have to have that anchor in, and the same isn't. Um, applied to members of parliament. And I think there's good reason for that, because I think when you have some rural communities, um, you're not going to naturally have people like with the desire, with the with the time, with the ambition or the interest to be a member of parliament. And so why shouldn't you have the best representation from someone who wants to do it and wants to embed themselves in the community, wants to represent the people of that community? Um, and to be honest with you, do you think like the challenges and the issues faced by the people of Norwich North are very different to like another constituency I know, Cardiff North. Do you think that they are so different? Do you think that, you know, that the needs and the challenges faced by people are are really so, well, so alien from one another? Well, not on, not on the whole, I guess, but there there will be issues, you know, such as what we've got at the moment with nutrients and neutrality. So um, we should have an MP who is fighting our case to say you need to get this economy back on the back running up and running again. Um, so if if you're um, you know if if you weren't based here, if you weren't living here. And you were um, living in Exeter as your main con- your main residency, and um, only coming up every weekend, you know, every other weekend or something like that. Um, then you you won't get the full impact of the effect that it's having on this economy of the local economy. So, um, but then saying that, I'm not sure that the MP that we have at the moment is actually fighting our case in the way that I think that she should be. But um, yeah, I, I think that you you will have you will have the similarities, but you will also have um, more uh, contentious issues that that will need to be addressed amongst that community. But thinking about it, was saying about um, you know people that are, are from out, out of the area moving in as MPs. I think if you think about it, I'm sure that most of the Norfolk um, MPs are all local MPs. You know they they. They've come from from Norfolk. I don't think there's many. I'm trying to think if there's even one that has moved in um, uh, from out of the county to be an MP. Um, no, the, I think. You know, the, I mean, if you look at even the new the new MPs, um, I know Duncan Baker. He was certainly in North Norfolk beforehand. James Wilde, I think, was from. I, I want to yeah. say from from Norwich. Um, I'm not sure um, about what's his um, name in Yarmouth. He was. He was. Um, oh, I can't think of his name. What do you I mean, by, uh, Brandon Lewis? Yes. So um, he's he's local and has been for. I don't think that he came out of area. Um, so I think the majority well, of them are. Uh, um, so if, 
I know that we've there's been times whenever people have wanted to be. Um, I mean, I think Brandon MPs Lewis. I'm pretty sure he he was from London. I think. Well, uh, I'm pretty sure Brandon okay, Lewis. Well, I'm, I'm sure sorry. his background is is London. Then he, I think he was a councillor oh, in Essex. Here. Okay, well then I'll take that right back. But I thought Good. that he'd been. I know that he. I know that he lives in the area <laughs> and now, um, and I. I assume yes, he that he'd been here for because he has been an MP. I mean, he for, has been for now. years. Yeah, absolutely. And same with George hmm. Freeman. I think he may have just been across the border. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I think that on the whole, I think that um, it should be somebody local who represents that area. And um, and I think that they should be fully committed to um, to the people that um, have elected them. I think that what uh, Nadine Norris has done is totally unacceptable. Um, I, I and again, these things you can only pick up through the media um, as to what um, what's being said and and the fact that she isn't actually representing her um, constituencies as she should be. So that's not acceptable. That's not fair. And again, you know, you, but is 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 the extreme that we were talking about over the last couple of years? Yeah. The MPs have have taken themselves and put themselves uh, beyond any. Um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, for any comeback on the attitudes that they have. Um, she knows that she's not going to get elected again. So she's sitting there waiting until, is she going to sit there and wait to the next election? But if well, she does, I, then she's going to have to come out and make some kind of statement to say, I made a mistake or I'm just going to carry on. Yeah, I and suspect it, that what she's planning to do is use parliamentary mm -hmm. privilege to some extent because there's not much else you can do other than call people out and hold people to account in a way mm. as an MP where you can't be sued. And so I suspect that may be kind of part of it and yeah. part of the reason why um, like but she, she wants to remain. Couldn't the um, the branches have um, a say in um, having no confidence and ask for her I resignation? Mean, I mean, there's no one that can unseat her. Um, so in terms of, of kind of process, I think she could lose the parliamentary whip um, and so sit as an independent, but there's no way of actually like, getting rid of her as an MP because she's been democratically elected. So and she, she hasn't do done something. anything. Yeah, she no. hasn't done anything inappropriate No, um, as such. So, yeah, so I, it's, um, I, it's, again, is it's another example of MPs taking everything to the extreme it is absolutely but just on the on the matter of uh the role of the mp in the everyday life of the community do you think that an mp plays an important role in the day-to-day -day kind of life of a community i think they should do um i think that they should be involved with all um you know all sections of the community there's always going to be something that um the community will need that uh, MP for, um, for example, um, the, the economy. I think that um, with Chloe Smith at the moment, she's dealing with um, man manufacturing. Is that her? Is it IT manufacturing at the moment? Um, she's she's dealing. That's her um, position. You're going to tell me in a second. I can hear the keyboard warrior. Why, and, why would I need um, to? I, yeah, I think she's. <laughs> she, well, 
I know previously she was Secretary of State for Work and Pensions, and I yes. think she's currently Secretary of State for Science, Innovation and Technology. Um, so I, I think she's, yes. um, well, no, actually, she, she's just stood down from that role, apparently, in July. Oh, has she? Um, because she was, well, she was covering it for maternity um, leave for Michelle Donnelly. Oh. Actually, that's a shame because she was doing quite well. I was, you know, I was seeing various things that she was uh, involved in. And um, and she was doing quite good in that. So so she's back to uh, just being a normal routine MP then. Well, I think she's still a right honourable. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, but yes. And, and so just a, routine as far as a right honourable MP goes. <laughs> she's a backbench. She's a back to being a bench. <laughs> so, um, so yes. So I think that, that you know, there's there's all sections of the community that uh, would love their MP to be involved in in what they're they're, they're doing or what they're trying to do or um, I'm just trying to think you know for for example uh, there's always going to be people uh, with disabilities who need their MP just to highlight the issues that they have with transport housing all of those things. Um, and it goes on the planning, as I've said, with the nutrients and neutrality and planning not happening in, in Norfolk at the moment. <clears throat> so, yes, yeah, so they, they should be at the forefront of every section of the community saying, OK, let me know what I can do and I'll do it for you. And I know with Chloe Smith, she does work really, really hard. Um, I, mean, I, I will I will let you continue to say how good Chloe is because um, well she's not standing at the next election so you can yeah. uh, you can yeah. harp on as no, much and this is it. this is a, I, I was just literally about to say even though she isn't standing um, for for re-election she's still here weekends out canvassing um, still having her surgeries and and still taking the time for for the constituency so do you think she's getting I'd be really, really surprised um, if any Conservative MP gets themselves that's in in place at the moment gets themselves back again. Um, I, but then saying that you know they they probably they could turn things around, but I think that um, it's there's not enough time for people to forget what's happened over the last couple of years. Um, you know, but she she would probably deserve to get back in again uh because of how hard she works but uh, i can totally understand that um it's, it's time for her to stand down yeah i think everyone like well i, I think everyone needs a, a change in pace and yeah. you know not to stagnate in in role and no one wants to kind of stay for well, how many years is an it, election is it, to be honest i think she's she must have been there for yeah i was about to say i think it's more than a decade Mm, I think it's something like 12 years, which is, and considering that she took over that seat uh, from um, a massive Labour majority way back whenever she did, and um, and, and she's carried it through. So she's obviously done Who was the MP before her? Was it Ian Gibson? Yes, it was. Lovely, lovely man. And they treated yeah. him really badly, so. Really? Yes, they did. I can never, I can never tell with, with, when you're being serious. I, no, I remember no. his name being linked with the expenses scandal, um, but I, I'm surprised at him being a uh, a Labour MP that you would uh, you would be seeing <sighs> such praise. Don't, don't. I, I, anybody who does a good job will always get praise from me, even you. <laughs> developed a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is this is this section going to be edited? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not at all. Every, everyone likes a bit of Animal Farm. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, Did, are, are the kittens still there? <laughs> well, we're down to one. Sue's by herself. Story of my life. <laughs> Work as a team, and then oh no, you're left on your own. So no, so sorry. Yeah, I think that I think that it was a tad extreme what they did, how he was treated, but um, but that's that's long gone now. So uh, it is, yes, it he is. is a very nice man. So um, can I go? On. Go, no, go for it. Ask me the question. No, I was just going to no, and this is changing the subject. So unless you want to carry on, no, no, change your way. Um, no, so have you seen on the news recently how the crook a uh, pub got burnt down? Yes, I have. In in um not burnt in Dudley was it Dudley? Um, yeah. So uh, so there, there was a crooked pub, which I didn't realise existed, and I wish I had known because I'd love to have gone and seen it. I've seen old news clips of when uh, they went back in the 70s, I think it was, or they went there in the 70s and mm-hmm. said, you know, how, how extreme these things are. So um, it got caught fire on um, Saturday, and then it got demolished on Monday. Now, I know that we can't really talk too much about because we don't know the circumstances behind it. And uh, but it's everything's just a little bit extreme. So my you know that we've had situations in um, in Thorpe uh, where we've had um, buildings that somebody would like to remove Mm -hmm. and build on. And I'm not saying this is the circumstances here, but the pub was sold in July to someone, and yep. then um, it was closed down, and um, and a mound was put on the mm-hmm. entrance of the road, uh, so people couldn't get access to it. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturday, it caught fire, and um, and really, you know, the shell, the inside was burnt extremely badly and uh but the shell was still there so considering that this was such a unique building um it's you know it's and i the fire did say that um you know that nobody should go near it it wasn't safe but then on monday morning for a bulldozer to come in and flatten it I'm just absolutely amazed. And the fire, the reason why it gutted the way that it did was the fire crew couldn't get through because this mound of muck that was stopping them from getting access to put the fire out was, um, wasn't uh, wasn't giving them access to no. get through to, to sort it. I, I mean, I, I think we've all known... We've all known speculation around developers, and I, I, I think that is one of those things that isn't unique to one area. I think that it's every time that there is an important building, unfortunately, a lot of them do somehow um, meet meet their ends with, um, you know, arson. And obviously, we don't know the circumstance of this, and, this and we don't know yeah. any of the details. However, obviously, you know. 
they, they do say what remained of the building, I think, was unsafe, but that goes for any building which has caught fire. It doesn't naturally mean that you would demolish it. So, no. you know. And, and again, you, there, there is ways to bring it back again. You know, you, you, there's been, and it was it was extreme, but there would, you I can't see that you could build it so that it was crooked again. Do you want a couple of minutes? No. Are you okay? Um, so, um, yeah, so Ooh, it's, it's this is <laughs> me, me sounding distracted. Go, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- this, is, I, I guess, what my point was is it is it, um, when are we going to, to maybe when are district councils because it's a district council that is, um, mostly in control of the situation here? Uh, mm-hmm. when are district councils going to be? more take more responsibility for these buildings that they're not I don't think it was listed because it was listing but um you know this was a really unique building that was still standing even though it was seriously subsiding and had been and I thought well, maybe the subsidence had just been for a few years but it goes I think the the news clip that I seen was oh it's been years and years yeah. So, um, you know, so when are they going to take responsibility for these buildings that aren't listed but are of historical interest and and try to preserve whenever they say, when they give the planning permission or the permissions coming, you know, being asked for, then why are they not doing something more about protecting these um, these buildings? And, um, you know, a crooked build, crooked pub, would have just been such a good tourist attraction and and people well, have been it, going to the site and picking up bricks to take home as a memento well how yeah, are they going to rebuild it if everybody's taking the bricks away yeah i don't i don't entirely understand why people doing that to be honest i don't think it's that that notable as a building but um i i guess no i i see what you're saying and but there is there's little that you can ask a district council to do I mean, everyone knows that these buildings are, it's been until something actually happens, there's not much you can do. But, I think if you change the law to say that, you know, any building that is subject to, you know. Well, normally you would say that arsonist is, is illegal and, and somebody will, but the, nobody goes out looking for that arsonist. I think well, no, and I mean, it's will. difficult because if you say any building that, that catches fire, you, there's going to be a rebuild requirement. You know, which is something that district councils can do if a building is demolished without consent. They can require it to be rebuilt. But it's difficult to put that on a landowner because you'll end up with all kinds of people, you know, setting fire to it just to financially ruin, like, the owner of it because it's so much more expensive to rebuild, like, a, a property like that than it is just to put something new up. So, you know, I, I always yeah. go back to, you know, maybe what we need to do is kind of like what they do in, in Cardiff. So I don't know if you've ever heard of St. Fagans in Cardiff, which no. is, I think its official name is the um, the National Museum for Welsh Life and History or, or something like that. But basically, whenever there's a building at risk, they take it down brick by brick and they rebuild it brick by brick on this estate. And you go there and there are, you know, prefab houses, there are old I know what you mean yeah I know and and there's old churches there's a you know and they basically just take everything down and then rebuild it exactly as it was and actually one of the pubs I used to go to in Cardiff as a student um they wanted a long time ago yeah absolutely um almost as old as the building um (laughs) 
and it was it, it was a bit of a dive. You know, you went outside yeah. to use the facilities, and it was Is just that a when surra- it was the long hair and the headband. It certainly was. Um, <laughs> and if you can imagine me in my in my uh, fabric Converse trainers going out to use the facilities, which were ceramic gutters in the uh, in the back outhouse. Um, yeah. You can imagine how much I Lovely. bleached those shoes after going there. <laughs> and I really can believe that as well. <laughs> but, you know, they took that down brick by brick, including the toilets, and yeah. they're, they're rebuilding it. So, you know, I think that maybe giving more options to to be able to do stuff like that, like in kind of, you know, in Norfolk, in counties yeah. um, like that, would, would give developers, you know, another another thought because ultimately you know it at least preserves it if not in its kind of historical setting in a historical setting where it can be appreciated by people but obviously everything costs money and and doing this costs money and and you know not every county at the moment is going to have the the time nor nor space to be able to do this but certainly you know i would much prefer money being spent on doing stuff like that rather than the cost of sending out fire engines multiple times till finally there's no building left this is it and 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 i think that's that that's that's my issue is that um you know and again with circumstances it's been small arson attacks that have been on um you know a few of our buildings a little bit at a time and then each time the fire gets put out and another few months later, another little section gets done. And by the time you've done half a dozen little sections, then the building needs to come down. Um, but it, it should they, there should be more responsibility by the landowner um, to make sure that that building that has been they've been told by the the town and the district is um, of historical value to the town. Mm-hmm. They should be made to make sure that absolutely nobody can get access to it to start a fire. That's yeah, all I, I agree. And equally, you know, there, there can always be conditions for remote monitoring. Um, I think with CCTV, et cetera, it's far easier to do stuff like like that now than it uh, than it was before. But no, I completely agree with you. And it's always sad to see another building going the way that everyone expects and I think I was actually quoted in one of the local newspapers for one of the arsons when I said it was entirely foreseeable. And uh, yes. again, you know, that, that's probably mm-hmm. not one of my, my wisest phraseologies to uh, to the local press, but there we are. But no, it was fact. And it, and it, and it is, and it's, it's still, well, touch wood, fact. actually. It hasn't, <laughs> it's fact. It, we haven't had one for a little while, uh, but I think probably most of the buildings that, I think there might be another one actually that's just coming up for for, for sale that might uh, end up being very similar to what, but it is, and it, so it's, it's not just in, in this area, it's it's the whole of the country and we, we need to be taking more responsibility in saying that uh, you, you can't just go and buy a piece of land and decide, oh, I want to build half a dozen houses on it. And I'm not saying that's what this developer or the person who bought the place no. wanted to do. Um, but I think that, um, you know, you should protect these wonderful places. Thank you for listening to the Standing Orders podcast by Poli. Do you have to breathe so heavily while I'm doing that? Did I breathe? <laughs> oh, God forbid. Thank you for listening to the Standing Orders podcast by Politis. Please like and subscribe to get your weekly edition. You can suggest topics by emailing podcast at politisconsulting.co.uk.